0: My fellow Singaporeans, good evening. Our fight against COVID-19 continues. We have made good progress. In the community, new cases have come down. In the migrant worker dormitories, the situation has stabilised. Our healthcare system is coping well thanks to the outstanding work of our healthcare professionals and many others on the front line. Most importantly, among both Singaporeans and migrant workers, we have kept fatalities low – one of the lowest rates in the world. As a result, we have been able to move out of the circuit breaker. We are opening up our economy and society progressively and safely. As we ease up, I expect the number of cases to rise somewhat, as has happened in other countries. So we are moving cautiously. We want to avoid the numbers shooting up again and having to impose a second circuit breaker. We will step up testing and contact tracing significantly. Then we can catch new cases early Isolate them and their contacts and stamp out clusters before they grow. If all goes well and the outbreak remains firmly under control, we will ease up further and resume more activities as soon as possible. In the meantime, please continue to play your part. Maintain personal hygiene and wash your hands frequently. Wear a mask when you are out. Keep a safe distance from others and avoid crowded gatherings. COVID-19 will remain a problem for a long time yet. It will take at least a year, probably longer, before vaccines become widely available. We will have to learn to live with COVID-19 for the long term, as we have done in the past with other dangerous infectious diseases like tuberculosis. We also have to get used to new arrangements in our daily lives. We must all adjust the way we live, work and play so that we can reduce the spread of the virus and keep ourselves safe. But COVID-19 is not only a public health issue, it is also a serious economic, social and political problem. It is in fact the most dangerous crisis humanity has faced in a very long time. Because of COVID-19, the global economy has virtually ground to a halt. Governments have spent trillions of dollars to support businesses, economies and jobs. Yet tens of millions of jobs have been lost. Families are experiencing hardship. We are in a totally unprecedented situation. Singapore has taken a severe hit too. Our GDP is likely to shrink between 4 and 7 percent this year, our worst contraction ever. To protect workers, households and companies, the government has intervened decisively through four successive budgets. We are injecting almost $100 billion, 20% of our GDP, the largest fiscal intervention in our history. Unlike other countries, we can draw on our reserves and don't have to pay for our support measures by borrowing. But even for us, this level of spending is hard to sustain. More importantly, these measures cannot shield us from the tectonic shifts taking place in the global economy. Singapore depends heavily on international trade and investments. These were already slowing down before COVID-19. Now this slowdown will happen faster and go further. We will not be returning to the open and connected global economy we had before anytime soon. Movement of people will be more restricted. International travel will be much less frequent. Health checks and quarantines will become the norm. It will no longer be so easy to take quick weekend trips to Bangkok or Hong Kong on a budget flight. Industries that depend on travel like aviation, hotels and tourism will take a long time to get back on their feet and may never recover fully. Countries will also strive to become less dependent on others, especially for essential goods and services like food or critical medical supplies. This will have strategic implications. Countries will have less stake in each other's well-being. They will fight more over how the pie is shared rather than work together to enlarge the pie for all. It will be a less prosperous world and also a more troubled one. All these developments will affect Singapore greatly. Since before the time of raffles, we have made a living by connecting ourselves with the world. First, we were a trading hub. Then, an international seaport. Then, we made ourselves a hub for aviation, finance and telecommunications. We have benefited enormously from an open and connected global economy large parts of our economy like manufacturing biotech financial services and logistics serve regional and world markets even many domestic sectors like retail fnb and entertainment rely heavily on tourism now we have to prepare for a very different future. Companies, big and small, will be hit hard. Some industries will be permanently changed. Many will have to reinvent themselves to survive. Workers too will feel the pain. Retrenchment and unemployment will go up. Some jobs will disappear and will not come back. Workers will have to learn new skills to stay employed. The next few years will be a disruptive and difficult time for all of us. But despite these immense challenges, I say to you, do not fear. Do not lose heart. Singapore will not falter in its onward march. I believe we can still secure a bright future for ourselves. An even stronger and better Singapore will emerge from this crisis. First, we have economic strengths and an international reputation built up over many decades. We are highly connected to the global flows of trade, investment, capital and people. International trade and investments may shrink, but they will not disappear entirely. Some flows will be diverted or dry up, but other new channels will open up. There will still be overseas markets and opportunities for international partnerships. Singapore is well-placed to connect ourselves to the new channels and flows and create new businesses and jobs to replace those lost. We just have to work harder and smarter at it. Our strong, trusted international reputation will help us greatly. In a troubled world, investors will value the assurance of a government that plays by the rules – a people who understand What is at stake and a stable political system that enables businesses to continue operating, even in a crisis? The way Singapore has responded to COVID-19 openly and transparently, neither avoiding reality nor acting arbitrarily at the first sign of trouble, has only strengthened this advantage. Second, we have had a head start preparing for the uncertainties ahead. For some time now, we have been working hard to transform and deepen our capabilities, developing plans for our future economy, investing heavily to upgrade our workers through Skills Future, digitalizing both the private and public sectors building our innovation and R&D capabilities. All this has enabled us to stand out in Asia and the world. Nobody can predict what exactly the world will look like after COVID-19. But however things turn out, these future economy strategies will stand us in good stead. We need to pursue them even more vigorously now. For instance, we know that many businesses will no longer be viable. We will support these businesses to transform themselves, change their business models or move into different and more promising fields. More immediately, we are systematically rebooting our economy as countries emerge from lockdowns. We are rebuilding our transport and trade links. For example, Changi has already resumed transit flights. We are working out reciprocal green lane arrangements for safe travel to China and other countries. We are making our supply chains more resilient. For example, we are diversifying our sources of food. We are even buying eggs from Poland and shrimps. From Saudi Arabia. Next, we are working hard to retain and attract talent and investments to contribute to our recovery. At a time when some countries are closing their doors, we are keeping ours open. By making the most of our head start, our workers and industries will survive the crisis better and bounce back faster and stronger. Third, we have programs and plans to cope with the challenges before us. The Government's biggest priority now is jobs, helping Singaporeans to keep their jobs or find new ones. We are particularly concerned about those in their 40s and 50s who are often supporting children and elderly parents at the same time and have financial commitments to meet. We are also concerned about mature workers nearing retirement who want to work for a few more years to build up their nest egg for old age, lower-income workers who have not much savings to fall back on, the self-employed and freelancers who have less jobs and income security in the gig economy, and fresh graduates who are entering the job market In a very difficult year. We have schemes to help all these groups. The Job Support Scheme, the Workfare Special Payment, the Self-Employed Person Income Relief Scheme the COVID-19 Support Grant and the SG United Jobs and Skills Package. These schemes have enabled people to hold on to their jobs and provided income support for millions of Singaporeans and their families. We have set up a National Jobs Council to pull together and drive all our efforts on jobs and look at how we can create new jobs for the economy. Senior Minister Taman Shanmugaratnam is leading this. The Council will coordinate all the government agencies involved and bring in NTUC and the employer groups too, to maximise the impact of our efforts. So if you need a job, there are real options to pursue and you will have help and support. Beyond COVID-19 and the economic challenges, we also have to deal with other important external and domestic issues. Externally. We have to navigate the changing strategic landscape. COVID-19 has worsened relations between the US and China. Actions and counteractions are raising tensions day by day. It will become harder for countries to stay on side with both powers. It will be a more dangerous world for a small country like Singapore. We must ensure our security and protect and advance our interests when dealing with other countries, big and small. We must also work with like-minded countries to support free trade and multilateralism and enhance our voice and influence in the world. Domestically, we have to strengthen our social compact. We have taken emergency measures to help everyone come through the crisis together. Beyond that, we have to think carefully how to improve our social safety nets. Sustainable social support will give people confidence to cope with the uncertainties and to make changes to their lives. At the same time, everyone must have the incentive to be self-reliant and to progress through their own efforts. We have difficult decisions to make on priorities, resources and budgets. But the values guiding us remain the same. Every Singaporean will have equal opportunities. Whatever your starting point in life, you will have access to good education, healthcare and housing. If you fall down, we will help you to get up stronger. You can be sure you will be taken care of. In Singapore, no one will be left to walk his journey alone. In the next few weeks, several Ministers will address you and share with you our plans. We have a full agenda for many years to come. For our plans to succeed, For our hopes and dreams to come true, we need one final ingredient – the unity and resilience of our people. Once in a while, nations and peoples are severely tested, as we are now. Some buckle under pressure and emerge from crisis diminished, others grow more determined as they face fearful odds, discover reserves of strength in themselves, and emerge from crisis, transfigured, renewed. And that has been our Singapore story. In crisis, we have never failed to wrest opportunity from danger. Indeed, our nation was born in crisis. When we were granted independence, it was in the expectation that we would fail and come crawling back after realizing we couldn't survive alone. We proved otherwise. Two years later, the British suddenly announced that they were withdrawing their forces from Singapore. Again, many thought that would be the end of us. And again, We proved them wrong. The pioneer generation fought to master their destiny, and the Merdeka generation put heart and soul into making Singapore succeed. Together, they weathered many storms, always looking ahead, never flinching at hard choices and challenges. And that is how we got here. Now, at another hinge in our history, it is our turn to face the crisis of a generation. The choices that we make now will define who we are as a people and what values and ideals we pass on to future generations. Confronting adversity, do we yield to anger, fear and bitterness? Or will we be true to ourselves, stand firm, make tough choices and continue to trust and depend on one another? Many Singaporeans have stepped up during this crisis. They have become more, not less, than themselves. Healthcare workers, public officers, grassroots leaders and volunteers and many more working quietly behind the scenes. Some are taking good care of migrant workers in the dorms. Others are sewing masks, buying groceries for families under quarantine or refurbishing computers for needy students to do home-based learning. Abroad, Singaporeans have driven hundreds of kilometres to pick up fellow citizens to catch SQ flights home. These acts of solidarity and human kindness exemplify the best in us. They show how we can emerge stronger from this crisis, with a sharper consciousness of being Singaporean. This is why I believe we can continue to be exceptional, a fair and just society where everyone can chase their dreams. My Cabinet team With the support of the whole public service, we will do our best to lead us towards this enduring vision of what Singapore can be. We need every one of you to work with us. Together, let us take Singapore safely through this crisis and make the Singapore spirit flourish in the world.
1: Thank you. My fellow Singaporeans, good evening. COVID-19 is the most serious health crisis the world has faced in a century. We have all seen the devastating effects of the virus worldwide. When the outbreak gets out of control, the spike in cases can quickly overwhelm the healthcare system. Many people will not get the care they need and the number of deaths will rise sharply. We are determined to avoid the same fate in Singapore. That's why we've been going all out to control the spread of the virus and to ensure that our healthcare system is able to care for all who are infected. It has been a tough fight against a formidable and invisible enemy. We've had our share of challenges, but we face them head on. Working together, we've stabilised the situation in the migrant worker dormitories, We've brought down community cases significantly. We've protected our seniors and kept our fatality rates low. I thank everyone for your hard work and sacrifices in keeping our fellow citizens safe. Most of all, I would like to acknowledge all our officers serving on the front line, including our healthcare professionals and volunteers. I'm speaking today at the NCID the National Centre for Infectious Diseases, which has been at the forefront of this battle. You have all been working flat out, making daily sacrifices and exceeding the call of duty. So to all of you, I want to say a big thank you. The strict measures and restrictions we've imposed over the recent months have been effective, but they come at a high price. We are cushioning the impact on our businesses and workers with four budget packages this year. But we cannot remain closed indefinitely as we have to prioritise both lives and livelihoods. And that's why we've embarked on a phased approach to reopen safely. But please understand, we are not going back to life before the circuit breaker. The vast majority of our population have not been exposed to the virus and are still vulnerable to the disease. We want to continue to provide maximum protection for our seniors and those with medical conditions. Hence, we've been very cautious in our reopening. We are now in phase one, and we will continue to monitor the situation over the coming week. If the conditions remain stable, We will be able to move into Phase 2 before the end of the month. We will then resume a broader range of activities covering nearly the whole economy and allow social interactions and family visits in small groups of not more than five people. Externally, we are carefully easing travel restrictions and reopening our borders by creating green lanes with selected countries. These arrangements will be limited to essential travel for work reasons and tight controls will be put in place. When conditions permit, we will extend green lanes to more countries and to non-business travellers. But it will take a while before we see international air travel recovering in a significant way or before we can open up for mass-market travel. As we resume more activities, There will be more human contact and more opportunities for the virus to spread. So we must be mentally prepared to see more new cases. This has happened in many other places which exited from their lockdowns, and we must expect it to happen here too. The key is whether we are able to keep community infection rates stable. If so, we can continue on the path of progressive easing. But if the number of cases rise sharply, we will have to slow down the opening up and even tighten certain restrictions. Our ability to control the infection during this process of reopening is therefore critical. And that's why we've made use of the two months of Circuit Breaker to do two things. First, we've increased our capacity and speed of contact tracing by developing new systems. We have expanded our contact tracing teams, which now include personnel from the police and the SAF. We are also using technology to speed up contact tracing. We have implemented the Safe Entry Digital Check-in Check-out System and the Trace Together app on smartphones. With these enhancements, we can now identify close contacts faster, isolate them and prevent large clusters from forming. Beyond trace together and safe entry, we are currently developing wearable Bluetooth devices. These will work on their own without the need for a phone. You can conveniently wear or carrying them around as you go about your daily activities. I seek everyone's understanding and cooperation. Please use these important tools. They will help us slow down the spread of the virus and save lives. Second, we have expanded our testing capacity hugely. We are procuring more test kits, building more laboratory capacity, and recruiting and training more laboratory technicians as well as personnel to carry out swabs and take blood samples. In early April, we were doing about 2,000 tests a day. Now, we are able to conduct about 13,000 tests a day, and we are on track. To reach 40,000 tests a day in the coming months. This expanded testing capacity is critical. It means that we can test higher risk groups more extensively. We can also do more surveillance testing in the community, including those with respiratory symptoms. This will give us a faster and more accurate sense of the number of cases circulating undetected. And besides the standard testing methods, we are deploying other means of detection. For example, we are extracting wastewater from manholes to test for viral fragments. This provides an additional indicator to tell us if a specific group, such as those living in a dormitory, has infected people amongst them. We are also using serology tests. These help to identify those who were previously infected, but may have since recovered and have developed antibodies in response that can help them fight the virus. Aggressive testing and contact tracing will improve our ability to control the spread of the virus. They will help greatly in allowing business and life to resume progressively. In the longer term, an important part of the solution is a vaccine. The good news is that there is a massive global effort to develop a vaccine. And Singapore is working on this too. We have a pharmaceutical industry and research capabilities in biomedical science. EDB is also discussing with pharmaceutical companies to manufacture vaccines in Singapore. If and when a vaccine becomes available, we will make sure that every Singaporean who needs it gets it and at an affordable price. In parallel, clinicians and researchers around the world, including teams from Singapore, are working hard to develop drugs and other therapies to reduce the severity of the disease. But drug and vaccine development is very challenging work. There is no guarantee that the drugs currently undergoing clinical trials will be effective. And despite the intensive international efforts, it will take a long time for any vaccine to be ready and available for mass distribution. So we have to be realistic and gird ourselves for more challenging times. It is not likely that the virus will go away. Our population will be vulnerable for a long time in a world where COVID-19 is all around us. We must therefore adapt to COVID-19 and learn to live with it over the long term. This does not depend upon government actions alone. Every one of us – government, businesses and individuals – must do our part. What's critical is people's behaviour and mindsets. We must stay disciplined and vigilant and not let our guard down. We must practice social responsibility. In upholding good personal hygiene and safe distancing measures, wash our hands regularly, wear a mask wherever we go, avoid big gatherings and crowded places, and see a doctor immediately when we are sick. We've been emphasizing all this for some time, but it bears repeating because individually these are steps everyone can take to protect ourselves and our loved ones. And collectively These actions will make all the difference in keeping COVID-19 at bay. They will enable us to have a safe and sustainable reopening, as we have seen in countries like Denmark and New Zealand. Conversely, if we are lax in our personal precautions, new cases and new clusters will multiply quickly, and despite our best efforts to test and trace, we might end up In another circuit breaker down the road. So please cooperate with the restrictions and keep everyone safe. We also have to change the way we live and work. COVID-19 has precipitated a shift towards more flexible work arrangements. Working from home, staggered work hours and split-team arrangements are becoming more of the norm. Our urban plans will need to cater to these new demands. Office and building designs will also have to change given what we now know about the risk of transmission in enclosed spaces. We will need to improve ventilation and air filtering inside buildings. Other features like contactless fittings, automatic doors, as well as hand sanitizer and temperature monitoring stations should also become part of the norm. Companies will have to find new and safer ways to deliver their products and services. Many are already embracing digital solutions. Some will need to change their business practices to adapt to the new environment. And I'm very happy that wet market storeholders and hawkers are now using digital payments more and online platforms to reach new customers. One major impact is on our construction sector. Construction has been a key vulnerability in this pandemic. The industry will need to institute new safeguards at work sites and continue its push for automation and productivity in order to reduce its reliance on migrant workers. Workers in construction, local and foreign, will have to be tested regularly and comprehensively. We will also need to review and improve living arrangements for migrant workers. The present dormitories are in fact the outcome of improvements made over the past decade. But despite this and the precautions we took, we still had major outbreaks in the dormitories. We will tighten the safeguards and build new dormitories designed to be more resilient against infection risk. But we have to be mindful that the risks will always be there because of the large number of workers living together and sharing communal facilities. In fact, all communal living spaces, be they dormitories, nursing homes, or cruise ships, will always be at risk in the event of an infectious disease outbreak. These are significant changes which will mean extra cost for the construction industry. For now, the government is bearing these costs through the Fortitude Budget. Beyond that, we will introduce other measures to cushion the impact and to move the industry to new productivity levels. I have no doubt that this will be a very difficult transition, but I assure everyone in the industry that we will work closely with you to get through this difficult patch and to emerge stronger from this experience. Ultimately, reopening and our economy and society does not mean going back to the status quo ante. I know many are looking forward to resume your favourite activities or to get back to your usual routines. But this is not the time for big celebrations or parties. We will all need to adjust our expectations, lifestyles and norms. We have shown our grit, adaptability and resilience during the circuit breaker and we must continue to to demonstrate the same ingenuity and resourcefulness in this new phase. For example, we have found new and creative ways to stay in touch with family and friends, chatting and exercising online, and even having virtual meals or drinks together. We may not be able to travel or have large gatherings anytime soon but we are going on virtual tours, enjoying online concerts and learning new skills through online classes. And many of us continue to draw strength from our faiths, thanks to churches, mosques and temples, live streaming their sermons and services to their followers. In these difficult times, we have not despaired. We have not given up. Instead, adversity has brought out the best in us, both individually and collectively. We have found strength and confidence in one another. We have shown that we are capable of rising above ourselves and caring for others. Every day we see countless examples of Singaporeans from all walks of life going out of their comfort zones and going the extra mile. They are volunteering at the dormitories, distributing food to the elderly, and looking out for the vulnerable amongst us. Businesses, too, have been leaning forward to help. They are donating masks and supplies to those in need and contributing to our frontline COVID-19 operations. This is the Singapore spirit that gives us the confidence to press ahead, no matter how tough the odds. The road ahead is unpredictable, and countries everywhere are continuing to search for answers and solutions. There is no guaranteed formula for success. But it is our grit and resilience, our compassion and kindness, our cohesion and strength that will see us through this crisis of our generation. So let us continue to stand together, unshaken, in spirit and resolve. Whatever the challenges ahead, let us face them together. And as one united people, we will defeat COVID-19 and we will Prevail. Thanks for
0: listening to The Friendship Feed. We want to hear from you after you are listening to the national broadcast of COVID 19 from every minister's speech. You can join our Facebook page at Chats. We are creating a community page here and we love to feed it to us after listening. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Friendship Feed and subscribe to us on YouTube at The Friendship Feed. The Fresh Fee is production of iHeartRadio and Affiliate Media. It's produced by Weiser, Shibarap Singham, Noor Shavika and Phoebe Chan, Are the executive producers. Special thanks to MiniCorp for providing the national broadcast of COVID-19. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or whenever you get a podcast.